0: Touch Line Takes. In
1: certain terms, a better combination than Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. This. Whoa,
0: Touch Line Takes. Podcast. Excuse me. Welcome back, listeners, to another wonderful episode of Touchline Takes. We are like that plate and dish of stuffing right in the middle of your Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving meal where you really don't know what's inside of that. But once you get a taste, you just can't not get enough. Can't resist. You can't resist that stuffing. We are the stuffing of all the podcasts. I am here with my partner in crime, as always, Cameron. And Cameron, we got a nice Plentiful course of a Thanksgiving edition podcast in store for folks, um, but sort of before yeah, we get we into that, Cameron, um, I just have to pick your brain a little bit. Okay. We are touchline takes, but mm-hmm. for a second, I kind of want to transition us to touchline taste. And by touchline taste, taste, okay. Touchline taste. We're gonna take a brief little like kind of you know detour. What is your mm. favorite? dish at thanksgiving Cameron.
1: oh um i'm a simple man i I gotta say uh just a a good old heaping pile of mashed potatoes and gravy that's
0: that sounds perfect you know it's uh, it's
1: always been my favorite thing about thanksgiving it's the best thing
0: about thanksgiving like i honestly have to say i think turkey is the most overrated thing in the world like i'll eat the turkey on thanksgiving but i i just i can't enjoy it it's like dry and it's like
1: yeah. Uh, like I've heard smoked turkey and mm. um, fried turkey, like deep fried turkeys are supposed to be really good. Like they kind of fix that whole uh, dryness part of it. Right. But I've never been lucky enough to try it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I bring this up because I think...
0: It was like a few weeks ago, there was like this thing going around about like each state, like what their favorite dishes and side dishes. And like up in Maine, it was, Uh, it was side salad. Like, excuse (laughs) me, like does anybody like, if if you live in Maine and you listen to this podcast and you've had a side salad for Thanksgiving, please prove us wrong. But I have never seen a side salad anywhere at a Thanksgiving table.
1: No, there's so many other vegetables. Nobody's putting together a side salad a on side Thanksgiving. salad, like I'm, at least it's not as bad as uh, what Alabama was dressing. Wasn't dressing, it? <laughs>
0: like what are you? What, like, what are you dressing I... the turkey with? Like no, you don't. <laughs> you undress. Just bottle a ranch, baby. <laughs> Just pour it right on top. Oh man, well yeah. Cameron, um, definitely something we are both very thankful for. Of course, friends, family, but we are very thankful as well for the world of football um you know this is you know a time where you know we can really remember with all that's going on how much we love this sport and we definitely got a jam-packed episode for everyone with a bunch of news coming out um in regards to the usl to nisa maybe a little you know copa libertadores talk today just we're, we're mm. gonna touch on a whole bunch of sub- subjects today um which i think is gonna make for a really good episode
1: well carl i think it's about time we
0: Crack this ah one open. there it is see he, he, i i should have waited i i cracked mine open before we started recording which i i now realize is a mistake because like yeah. next time we this could was like, really premeditated ah, on my part that see i like that i really like that well you know what cheers cameron for you know another great mm. episode and we're gonna knock this one out of the park
1: cheers to that my friend so uh, what are we starting with? starting with, uh, we got some USL news, don't yeah, we? we
0: got some really good USL news we'd like to start with, and we'd like to jump right into it. Let's see, to begin, oh man, USL, well, the biggest thing I think, you know, it's kind of close to home for both of us, at least to me right now, too, is in New Hampshire, um, it was announced that, you know, former nation- US men's national team forward joined a group led by a bunch of other people, to bring a USL One Club to New Hampshire. Yeah,
1: man, I'm excited. Charlie oh. Davies is, is really uh, putting his, uh, you know, I had a, I had some sort of phrase for this, but I, I totally blanked as soon as I said <laughs> it. What, putting all his eggs in a basket for this one? Is that is that the that, same? That's I do See,
0: we would say that probably now, like, around Easter, um, if we did that. I think right now what we can say is they we, we put all the turkeys
1: in the pen. You know, like, OK, th- I mean, I was going to say, like, put all the stuffing in the turkey. Uh, that's nah, this is just getting way too long winded. <laughs> but anyways, no, this is this
0: is so awesome, Cameron. Um, and I mean, I think you're seeing right now a huge sort of, you know, USL footprint starting to come to the northeast yeah. region of the United States, which is really, really awesome, because um, I think you for. Maybe for a lot of other sports, you really don't see a lot of clubs or teams kind of, you know, building, sort of putting these building blocks in place in these parts of the country. Um, But, you know, as someone who still lives in the Northeast, you know, it's really seeing this really, you know, makes me happy um, because it kind of shows that they're paying attention to the excitement there is even in this part of the United States.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I think the, the what I get most excited about with clubs moving into New England is the proximity. Mm-hmm. And I think that having that sort of proximity is going to lend itself to uh, kind of building some more natural rivalries. Um, I know MLS kind of gets a little bit of a crap for, you know, forcing what what is it rivalry weekend that they do, oh, and yeah. it's just like all these kind of forced. Some of them are not so forced. I mean, you've got like the Cascadia region mm-hmm. with uh, Seattle and Vancouver and Portland, and those ones are kind of more deep seated, which are which are nice to watch. Um, right, I think you know the New York rivalry could be cool, but when it comes to New England, you've got a, a team hopefully going in here to New Hampshire, whether it's Nashua or. Manchester um, you, uh, they're, they're going to be close to the new franchise in Portland right of course um, oh, yeah. and they're both playing in the same league mm-hmm. allegedly this franchise is going to be a USL League one so that'll match up nicely with Portland um, I, I was just thinking this as soon as you were talking about that I was thinking man they gotta they gotta get a club in, uh, uh, in Worcester
0: oh yeah like that I feel like Worcester would be sort of the perfect place for a club I mean it's uh, gonna have a minor league baseball team coming there in I think this coming year the next coming season um Mm -hmm. the Red Sox AAA affiliates moving from Pawtucket and moving to Worcester which you know and Worcester's a great sort of city for you know kind of for sports in general and Massachusetts obviously is a great state for sports um but it would they they got you know the stadiums there they got the space to build stadiums there in that city yeah um and again, you, water rum you you're you're bringing up the whole rivalry thing and you know if we do get a club you know in New Hampshire and in Portland that would just be so much fun. I mean, you when it comes it's good to, for the fans, it, it's fantastic for the fans. I mean, you see even with like the collegiate aspect of sports and rivalries, like UMaine at Orno and yeah. University of New Hampshire, you know they don't really like each other and um Mm -hmm. anytime we can get at that granite state you know really feels good as someone who's from maine um so that, that there would be a lot of excitement there is a lot of excitement through this and just to kind of see the building blocks now really being put in place with new hampshire i just hope that portland's the next one there's been a lot of rumors there's been a lot of talk there really hasn't been any concrete plans as of yet but i i feel like this might be the domino that kind of gets things knocking over and gets the ball rolling
1: i agree yeah and it's um you know, it's another United States men's national team player. Right. Uh, joining the ranks of Demarcus Beasley, uh, Landon Donovan, mm-hmm. Tim Howard, um, Landon Donovan at San Diego, and Tim Howard at Memphis. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, Demarcus Beasley at Fort Wayne FC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think what that it, it lends credence to the league itself. Um, seeing these players who I, I wouldn't necessarily call them incredibly wealthy, no, uh, but putting their brand and their money on the line. Uh, so that shows that they have faith in what's happening in right. the lower leagues and, oh yeah and i think it's um i think it's helpful to the lower leagues in general because it's 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 going to lend that star power somewhere besides the mls Definitely. um and as we continue to see this i think we'll continue to see development you know you'll you'll have uh sponsors whether it's corporate or or you know sports related will will jump in um because of these names attached to the projects right uh but yeah, I, I think I'm just particularly excited about the, the types of, um, you know, cause we, we talk about rivalries, you know, you might have one in, in California or in Florida and those are, those are lengthy travel times and, you know, the same goes for Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the, within that new England region, you know, you can realistically put a team in Maine, New Hampshire, um, Massachusetts, you know, whether it's the Boston metro area or Worcester, right. even, you know, Connecticut, you've already got Hartford there, mm-hmm. um, and those are all fairly reasonable to travel to for all of those fans so it's going to build rivalries where you where you're actually going to have you know um, some away days where you can hopefully they'll they'll set some ticket quotas for those away fans so that you can really build that ex- that match day experience
0: yeah no definitely and just like you were mentioning too from a marketing standpoint like having these former You know, players that a lot of people recognize is really awesome for the USL and other leagues, the lower leagues, Um, just because, like, it it sort of gives that face. And I think you're kind of touching upon that, and it just allows allows people to be like oh you know I remember Landon Donovan in the 2002 World Cup and you know now he's you know the the leader at a club in San Diego who isn't in the MLS but like let's pay attention because it's Landon Donovan and I love Landon Donovan or like you were saying with Tim Howard at Memphis it really mm-hmm. like shows that you know that there's a lot of potential we always talk about that word potential with these leagues potential 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 and almost sounds like a broken record at times but like we really are trying to drive home the fact that like there is that potential and like you're seeing it like with all these little things that are coming up every you know single month or even weeks now like it feels like you know before it was like with the USL you might get some big news like every couple of the months but now it's like with the USL or NISA you're getting big news like every couple of couple of weeks which is just like awesome to see for the leak
1: yeah and uh you know one thing that i would like to kind of pick your brain on and this is kind of Holding true to our name, uh, Touchland takes. What if the Revolution Two they rebranded? Mm. I'm not usually a fan of these sort of affiliate teams that are very much under, um, you know, the the wing of of an MLS club. Right. Uh, but what if what if the Revolution Two if they were the club to rebrand and uh, move to Worcester? What would how would you feel about that? Do you think that would make sense?
0: Yeah, I see. I really like that idea. Like you said, I, I'm sort of kind of weary about this whole rebranding thing um but i think like at least for the revolution the revolution too like i'm i'm upset with the revolution management to begin with and how they sort of fund their team and look at their team um and i think that would be really really awesome for the revolution too i think it would be really really awesome for the usl um if the revolution ever let them go you know hypothetically i think that would that would work out to their benefit. If they rebranded, they moved to Worcester, you know, they're, they're still getting the same fan base that, you know, you would as the Revs. Um, and I think more attention would, you know, be more drawn to them rather than looking at them like, oh, they're just, you know, this minor league club for the Revs. Um, they kind of you know got their own identity revolu- rather mm-hmm. being just Revolution Two, and I think that's kind of the issue that I have sometimes with these you know sort of uh, teams in the USL that are underneath these MLS teams because like it seems like they don't have their own identity. You look at clubs like Reno, you look at clubs like Charleston, um, you look at all these other clubs. Tampa Bay Rowdies they have their own identity, but if you're like the you know Atlanta United Two or the Philadelphia Union Two like you don't have your really your own identity. You're just seen as that lower club to the MLS club.
1: Yeah. And I think it would present them an opportunity to build a stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, whether, you know, I think with a club like that, it would probably be, you know, a four or five, 6,000 seat stadium. And that right. would be a perfect <clears throat> size. Uh, and they could also draw from the the college market there with uh, WPI um, being located in Worcester. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, th- I think, uh, sorry, the main takeaway from this story is just that we're starting to see a rounding out of the the northeast. Yeah. Um, especially in USL League One, um, it would be in- it would be interesting if eventually we see a sort of league cup within USL, where you have the championship, uh, League One, probably not League Two, until there's more um, concrete, not just summer league teams there. Uh, but at least the championship in League One, so you mm-hmm. would be able to see this kind of whole contingent of New England teams playing against them, uh, each other. So, yeah, um, we'll, we'll be watching what happens with this New Hampshire club. Uh, I don't think they're sure yet where the city is. It's not right. like Portland where they already know. It's kind of a um, – they're dead set on Portland. We don't know if they're going to be in Portsmouth, Nashua, or Manchester. It seems like they're leaning towards either um, – nashua or manchester but Mm -hmm. time will tell on that but carl uh let's let's go down all the way down south how are you feeling about this new fort wayne project that's got a lot of potential
0: Uh, i i like it I, I really, really like it. And I think, you know, we, we were just mentioning before, too, as well, that, you know, sort of this Fort Wayne thing is kind of fronted by a former United States, United States men's oh. national team player. Is this the same? I'm
1: one? sorry. I, I meant to talk about uh, Fort Worth. Fort I totally Worth. Uh, messed that one up. Fort Worth. We we talked about Fort oh, Wayne. Oh, my goodness. Not as exciting with DeMarc Speasley, but yes. we're talking Fort Worth. Fort
0: Worth. There's, see, th- this is the one problem. We're going to get off subject here. There's too many forts in Texas. Why do you have to name every city after a fort like listen to me like you could have named it like bruce wayne or you could have named it like you know little wayne but you had to name it fort wayne
1: like come no, on we're talking fort worth yes we're, we're just we're losing we it. are fort worth Lose- texas
0: fort worth texas um and a team that's tentatively called the fort worth star um and so this is it's it's really interesting because not only this would this be great for you know, kind of what their plan is either to put uh, a lower league men's team or a women's team in the city in Fort
1: Worth. But this sort mm. of like. It's a huge development. Yeah, the, I, I this... think I, when it comes down to it, it's it's we've got a, a local, which is I think this is interesting. It's a, a local councilman. Yeah. Uh, something along those lines is is trying to champion this whole hundred and fifty million dollar soccer complex. Um tentatively to have some sort of professional team like you mentioned but right i think the main idea is is this guy really wants to uh foster the youth development definitely more more importantly i mm-hmm. mean the plan isn't just to put a stadium in it's to put in you know multiple fields um a shopping center uh hotel you know all of these different uh, i think even a, a performing arts center so um And from what I've read, there's a lot of... There's an appetite for this. Um, You know, it's it's fairly close to Dallas, but uh, from what I can tell, I don't know the denominator for uh, people from Fort Worth, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, they really like to d- distance themselves from Dallas. So <laughs> I think by having their own identity with this, with this um, potentially USL championship or USL league one, I think they'd probably be leaning more towards the championship Right. Uh, team coming in there would, would help them build that identity. But I'm really impressed with, with this being coming out of the government rather yeah. than some businessman, because that seems like it, if you already have the support of the council, then you're more likely to get this show on the road quicker.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Like, that's the one of the hardest and probably biggest steps of any team sort of trying to form in a city is, like, getting the council on board. And I think by doing this, kind of making this, like, they're not saying, hey, we're just here to build a stadium for our USL team or an NWSL team. Mm. They're like, hey, we're here to invest and build a stadium that's going to go towards this, but also will benefit the community of Fort Worth more than it does actually bringing a team here um and i think that's the biggest thing and that is it's awesome to see you know a city do that and kind of you know look to bring a club and invest a club there but also looking to invest in the community more um i think really speaks volumes to like sort of what the people who are the head of this project are really trying to do like they just don't want this to be about you know a football club coming here they want this to be about growing the community growing the sport of this um and I think one of the most interesting things that I saw in this article that I was reading is that like like you were saying like they are like they want to be able to be that city for like youth sports for youth tournaments like they don't want to have
1: yeah that's true I, I remember that part of the article they really do want to focus on bringing tournaments to this facility
0: yeah they don't want like people to be going to dallas or people going to other places they want to like the fort worth families and communities to be hey we're gonna stay right here in fort worth and we're gonna bring other people here we're gonna you know Mm -hmm. they talked about interest from the ncaa which is the you know the collegiate system here in the u.s if you're not familiar with that um and so like it's it's really this whole big project You know, that a little tiny aspect is, you know, obviously what we're sort of highlighting, which is bringing a professional soccer club to the region. But, you know, it it goes much bigger than that, which is just really awesome to see from a city.
1: Yeah, and uh, just a couple of details so that, you know, if you are interested in looking further into this. uh, So this is a project that's been pitched by uh, Fort Worth Councilman Kerry Moon uh, and part of the, uh, and this was actually pitched at a, um, a school board on a <laughs> uh, couple weeks ago, I believe. Uh, so it's gonna hopefully have about sixteen soccer fields, uh, with a stadium size of about eight thousand seats. Um, so far, that's that's the plan, and it's gonna be located off Interstate Thirty Five West and uh, Basswood Boulevard. So those are just some of the details if you're uh, interested in looking into this further. Um, but yeah, Carl, I'm, I think I'm just particularly excited that it's not all about the, the professional sports part of it. Definitely. It's just showing the type of investment potential uh, or the investment desire for um, these types of facilities and mm-hmm. for youth facilities. I mean, I, I, as somebody who played travel soccer um or premierly a premier soccer i know the states have different designations so i don't know if it's the same in every state but um i I did get to see some of these facilities you know some of them um particularly there's one in amherst massachusetts that's just massive Mm -hmm. um new hampshire has a couple good ones um thanks to seacoast united uh but we're starting to really see a proliferation and i think in texas being home of the uh outrageous high school football stadiums it's nice to see that they're they're finally starting to put that same sort of effort into uh, youth soccer teams and youth soccer facilities
0: yeah no definitely and I, I think like just what's evident of that too is that sort of like from a a club level in texas you have so many professional clubs right now yeah like oh, yeah. in texas like from the mls down um you know you have houston dynamo you have austin bold now you have el paso you have san antonio like the list goes on and on and on um from you know men's and women's clubs both Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of like highlights that a lot of like of these clubs are looking more to invest in this area from a youth level up um you know which will really help grow the sport and you know the sort of the biggest thing that i hope is like you know it, it allows more people to get involved too like it
1: if you have well, and speaking of getting more people involved did you see uh who they who they have held preliminary talks with to uh operate the complex itself
0: is it the was it the gm of the dallas or something with the dallas mavericks yeah yeah, yeah so that's
1: i thought that was pretty pretty neat
0: too yeah the the general manager and president of basketball operations which like goes to show like you know, how much like people from other sports too want to get involved with like this growth movement of football, of soccer in the United States, like, you know, the writings on the wall and like you're starting to really see things really, really get moving almost at a rapid pace now of like, just saying like, hey, like we got to get our hands in this cookie jar, you know, before all the cookies are out. And, you know, we're kind of left behind in the dust.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope this is one of those things that, well, I, they seem pretty ambitious. So it, it, I think the start date was twenty twenty one. End so of twenty twenty one. Yeah, so we should be getting news fairly soon on, um, you know, what kind of ambitions they have. I mean, even if it's, I think, I think the takeaway we can have from this is even if they just build a massive, uh, you know, youth soccer complex, or even going as far as you know, uh, NCAA complex. That's good. That's good for the whole landscape of the sport. Yeah. Um, the professional team and stadium uh, just gauging by the, you know, kind of land that they have available to them around there that could come later. Right. So, um, you know, I, they'll probably have to gauge the amount of support that this gets uh, the amount of traffic, you know, how easy it is to get people in and out of there. But yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for these types of developments to just continue popping up. You know, we got States like California and Texas that will probably can continue to see this. Um, but it's 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 inspiring, especially like I said, seeing it come straight out of a city councilman's mouth. And with that said, uh, let's roll on over to a little bit lower down the old USL uh, pyramid. I want to talk a little bit about this um, USL two team we've got, uh, FC um, Malaga or Malaga. Um, I'm just gonna butcher that so. I'm going to send you on over to uh, chit-chat about that one. What do you think about that club, Carl? FC Malaga. See, Malaga.
0: Malaga. Um, this one caught me off guard. Like, I, this, this is one of those things that I was just looking, you know, scrolling through Reddit at 1 a.m. in the morning, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, I'm like, Holy cow, what is this? Like I'd even know, you know, for those of you who don't know, Malaga is, you know, a city in Spain. They have a uh, La Liga side in Spain, uh, but apparently for a good amount of time they've had an academy in New York City, I believe. Um, and now like news is coming out that they're ready to join the USL2, which is just like like I it's just like it goes to show you like how many of these little like you know kind of developments we do have in the U.S. and how clubs from around the world are looking to kind of focus kind part of their development I think Malaga has an academy in Spain in Australia and in the U.S. Um, but like it's it's going to be interesting because I'm sort of going to be really interested to see if they invest and send over like, you know, Mm. Spanish players or they
1: look to invest more
0: in American players.
1: That's well, that was in the article that they sort of, I think that they intend to kind of split some players up, uh, give them a chance, but I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, look, we can, we can pull this back to orange County soccer club. Uh, they did get the opportunity to have a couple, um, Rangers players Mm -hmm. or Rangers Academy players. Um, come play with their club but seeing as this is a usl uh league two team i don't know if that'll meet the competitive criteria right uh, for the players that they would send over this could be a you know a situation like demarcus beasley's team in fort wayne the actual fort wayne this time we mean fort wayne fort this time not wayne. fort worth. Not worth um it could be like that situation where they are starting in league two with the intention to move up to league one eventually. So right. uh, that would be nice. I think that New York is a, is another one of those places that's um, just primed to have more clubs in the lower ranks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we can understand that it hasn't worked out great for uh, teams trying to play in New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can look at it. I mean, I would even say Red Bull is still uh, a victim of this. I mean, they had to build their stadium, fairly outside city limits i mean it's in new jersey right yeah no Uh, definitely new york city fc they are still working on that uh the cosmos have been struggling for years i don't know man it's uh you know but it's a it's a welcome addition in the lower ranks and if you can get a stadium built that's in you know somewhere in in new york state um that's a couple thousand then then that's good but this is this is just another example of those relationships that we really like to see yeah no
0: definitely it's uh you know one of those things that just sprouted up and you know it's it's really interesting like I, i'm i'm almost really intrigued by this one just because of how much i was caught off guard by it but just kind of yeah. to see how it develops in the next few years and kind of like where it goes um, because I think this is this is one of the first times I think we're going to see like an investment from a club outside of the U.S like sort of really dominate you know the di- like the direction of the club in the u.s um i hope i make sense what i'm saying that like let's see when, when we talk about the partnerships yeah like can with, I have you
1: break that down a little bit more yeah. actually I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you're saying yeah
0: so like with like the partnership we talk about with rangers in orange county um you know soccer club is that they have a mutual partnership where there's still their own identity um right. with fc malaga city i feel like they still have the identity of the Sp- Spanish club so i feel like this is like one of the first times we're going to see like in sort of the lower ranks of professional soccer in the u.s oh, okay. like okay, yeah. sort of a european identity like a club that sort of has that european i like i'm trying to like they
1: no i see what you're saying right. it's, it, it is the parent club and that's who exactly. it's supposed to embody right but it's in a lower league as opposed to like say uh the ill-fated um chivas usa for example or um nyc fc which is i mean yeah it doesn't fully represent the 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 parent group but it everyone knows it's just city football group
0: yeah no yeah it's just to me i I don't know that like it's gonna be interesting um i haven't really I didn't know a lot about them until this happened. And I'll be honest, Mm. I still don't know a whole lot about them. They've been
1: around since 2013, which I thought was interesting. So they've, they've been fostering this for a while. Right. And I think opposed to a lot of projects that we've seen, um, for example, you can even look back at, uh, this was a while ago, but I, you know, it it didn't quite work out. I X Orlando, for example, um, they tried to do a very similar, like Academy style thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They never so let me just I'm trying to figure out when they terminated. They oh they were a member of the USL PDL, which is which was the precursor to the USL uh League two. So they did do it, but two thousand six was when the franchise was terminated. So they only lasted about five years, so this has already outlasted um IAX's efforts. Okay. Yeah,
0: no, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I'm I'm excited as I always am with these kind of developments in the lower leagues of football here in the U.S. Um, but it, it's I'm I'm intrigued by this one. This is this is definitely one to keep an eye on, kind of see how they go and how they develop in USL too.
1: Yeah, and I, I also wanted to confirm for you that in this article they do say that it's going to be a mix of local athletes collegiate mm. players academy players and fc uh, malaga city spain players interesting so they will um be incorporating well you know as as far as the press release goes uh we'll be incorporating uh, players from the parent club so that's i think that's good as we've already as we've kind of touched on before it's just good to have that experience to share with the you know the, the local players and the collegiate players as they're stating there so yeah uh definitely exciting um it, it, it seems like – I just keep wanna referring to how we were so worried in some of our <laughs> earlier episodes that uh, COVID would be destroying these lower league clubs left and right, and it really seems like we are – we're not seeing that. In fact, we're no, seeing the opposite. The, the complete opposite.
0: I, I feel like I – I'm glad I was wrong um, about you know our takes earlier in our past episodes back in August and July – because, like, like you said, I was paranoid. I thought, you know, without fans, you know, without that revenue, they don't sell a lot for merchandise. Like, they're gonna, like if they're not getting the ticket sales at the gates, like, they're really going to struggle. And unfortunately, you know, we did see a couple clubs fold under in the USL Championship. Um, but I, I feel like we, we've seen more growth and yes yes. it it feels like it's instead of like two steps back or one step and you know two steps forward one step back it's been like six steps forward maybe two steps back um which i think is unlike anything we've seen in these lower leagues in recent years
1: yeah and it's it's getting even more exciting and the fact that we have competition in the lower leagues is is making that all the more tantalizing. So tantalizing. Um, if like you couldn't word. guess, if you couldn't guess, that's my transition to a little Nisa uh Ooh. conversation. So we've we've been talking about um Chicago as they it's like so I guess there's a there's a bit of a scale to um, when these new clubs are announced, you know, how realistic they seem to be or how far along in the process they seem to be in Chicago seems like you know, they could be playing or at least have most everything set up by uh you know either early next year or the middle of next year so they're pretty far along whereas you know portland um this new hampshire team Mm -hmm. i don't even know if they'll set foot on a field by 2021 exactly um so that's why the chicago project's been uh important and exciting to watch um on top of the fact that uh, as we've said peter wilt is spearheading this whole development um, but we we did get a little bit more of an indication of who is uh, working with this club, and Carl, um, can you you're a baseball fan? Can <laughs> you tell us a little bit about this guy? So, the guy who's
0: spearheading it is a guy by the name of William, and he goes by Train Veek. I want to say it's Veek. I you know someone can correct me on that pronunciation of that. Um, but he is the grandson of you know. I think his grandfather's name was William Veek as well, Bill Veek, um, who was the Chicago White Sox owner of... I believe um my goodness I don't even I have to look at I think the exact it was, Yeah, it's like
1: Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago White, White Sox, Sox. Like, and that was prolific.
0: The, exa- like and I mean it was back when Milwaukee Brewers too were a Triple A franchise in the minor league ranks of American baseball. Um so it this is this is interesting. Um I I'm excited about this. I feel like he has really good, like, you know, he has a great family name. He, you know, especially in the city of Chicago, which is going to help. He has great experience. You know, he's worked with the White Sox. He worked for a cricket organization, I believe, in Australia as well. Um, But the thing that does sort of make me nervous is sort of like... He hasn't worked with in like the sport of football or the sport of soccer, whatever you want to call it, um, which I I don't think is a huge issue. I think you know serving as mm. you know the fan, you know sort of like engagement specialist, trying to bring fans to the game, get fans involved into the franchise. Um, I don't think he's going to have a huge issue with. Um, I feel like there's a lot of crossover with every sport when it comes to you know trying to get the fans engaged. Um, But the fact, you know, he's had these experiences, he's worked with these franchises, you know, he has this sort of well-known name within the Chicago sports like environment and community. You know, it's uh, it just goes to show you that Peter Wilt probably knows better than anybody in, you know, American soccer with what he's doing. Um, You know, he has. Uh, I think one of these articles kind of called him the Johnny Appleseed of U.S. soccer. And it's so true. (laughs) It's, you know, as sort of corny of a name or corny of a metaphor as that is, like, it's true. Like from, you know, the men's side of U.S. soccer to the women's side of U.S. soccer to now even the lower ranks of the men's division in U.S. soccer. Like he's really leaving his stamp for the better.
1: Yeah, uh, and the the thing is, he doesn't stop, which is nice to see, and he's also not selective. Mm -hmm. I mean, between forward Madison, NWSL, uh, Chicago Fire, and now Nisa, I mean, he's he's just, every league is, is open to Peter Wilt, so... And I think uh, we should all be open to Peter Wilton, whatever project he's working on, because exactly. they tend to uh, do well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and Nisa is not stopping there, man. They've got plenty more news to share with us, uh, and we've we've kind of already gone over some of their, um, I guess their partnerships. I don't really know quite how to classify them, but Nisa has been working very diligently to partner with uh, amateur leagues across the country oh yeah Yeah. um so between the eastern premier league the uh is it the northeast it might be the northeast premier league um the gulf coast premier league which is where i am located uh and the now midwest premier league which is located or based out of denver colorado Mm -hmm. i think it might extend a little bit further say like utah um and what montana is above I think think Montana, some of those kind of states. If I know my geography. But uh, yeah, so this whole um, idea is that they are going to continue to foster um, these connections, these relationships, and hopefully some um, process sharing between, uh, you know, the NISA uh, parent organization, then the pro sort of sphere uh, with these these amateur uh, clubs. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of culminating with um, Nisa Nation that we've talked about. Um, so they've got all these affiliations now, and they can sort of pick out and also um, help develop these aspirational amateur clubs, um, moving them eventually into Nisa Nation, uh, which will then eventually move them into Nisa Pro. So um seeing more of these uh developments come forth mm-hmm. is just continuing to show that i think they are taking the right direction as opposed to what a lot of people thought they were going to be which was a, a NASA 2.0 yeah um which which they're anything but i mean they're not paying the same types of salaries they're not just trying to expand the top division rapidly um, they're really focusing on the grassroots.
0: No, definitely. And like sort of you have to plant the seeds before you can let the tree grow, right? Like or let the plants grow. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, it's it, it's kind of a slow and I want to say delicate process, um, because like anything with these sort of things, when you're growing a business, because, you know, all these leagues, they're a business. Um, And when you know all the clubs, they're a business. And when you're growing those, like you sort of have to take your time. And, you know, like, and yeah, things have been moving faster now. But it is really great to see, like you just said, like the grassroots movement, like they are really, really, paying attention to these areas and really planting these seeds in different parts of the United States Mm -hmm. and you know maybe not all of them will grow maybe some you know will die as they're growing up and not really make it to this big tree but a lot of them will and the more seeds you plant you know like it's obviously the more trees that are going to grow and I think they're going to have a really positive kind of net gain from this and like just the way they've been going about things
1: yeah and Speaking of going about things, um, this is a, a league that um, a lot of people out there who are not necessarily MLS fans, but are fans of the sport themselves, mm-hmm. uh, itself, are very much fans of the open system concept. And um, the Midwestern Premier League has been very vocal that uh, they are working to adhere to the, um, the FIFA compliant open system. And so, with that said, uh, they are yearning to hopefully start with a uh, a ten-team top-flight league. Um, so awesome. they're going to do like a they're going to do a, a divisional structure. It's going to be an east and west. Um, the east is going to have Colorado. Um, west is going to have Idaho and Utah. Um, so it'll be about five teams from Idaho and Utah, and five teams in Colorado. Mm-hmm. That'll round out the ten-team first division. And uh, eventually they're aiming to um, build out that pyramid. So with a couple more divisions below that.
0: Yeah, no, that's that is just so like awesome to see all this movement going on. And it's, you know, like it makes me really happy, too, that we can talk about this and we can explain this because I feel like it's it's been a long time coming to be able to get really excited about the movement of the sport in the united states and i'm not just talking everybody wants to talk about like oh you know the u.s men's national team or like the bigger levels look all the players playing in europe but all these things start here in the u.s all these players you know come up in these sort of you know communities and i feel like the more communities you get involved in the more kind of grassroots campaigns you do you know and kind of more leagues you build and more clubs you build the more yeah kids are going to want to get involved And the more serious you make those local-level competitions. Exactly. Exactly um it, it's just it's, it's so awesome to see and I mean I for for anyone who loves the sport you know I know sometimes it can be sort of tedious trying to pay attention to these things and you know a lot of times you know I hear a lot of people say when they're watching USL championship or USL league one like oh the competitive level isn't there it's not really about the competitive level you know when I'm sort of watching it yeah it's still competitive and, you know these players are still really talented players but it's sort of watching it and saying like this product right here is going to grow the sport so much in the United States and I think that's the biggest thing sort to take away from all this news that's been coming out mm. recently
1: but at what cost Carl <sighs> at what cost I have an answer for you I really do do you really so I do yeah so Snohomish County FC uh put out a little tweet that I found interesting Uh earlier this was it this week it was the 18th Um, So they are, I'm guessing, a prospective NPSL club. Uh, They currently play in the Western Washington Premier League, which I had no idea existed. Now Hmm. I do. Uh, And they posted the fees for the NPSL. So it's an $18,000 entry fee with a $6,000 yearly fee for NPSL, which I'm not – I I guess I had no frame of reference for – if that's reasonable or not yeah um, some people in the comments kind of thought it wasn't super reasonable but uh that's that's the cost so if anyone was wondering if you want to put a team the npsl that's how much it <laughs> that, costs that's
0: it you better take out that small business loan now um no but and also like i i would really have to dive deeper like you said into kind of finding out like what would be
1: reasonable like when it well, comes that's not to the operational costs, either I guess yeah, you have to take into account,
0: like with the stadium, or you know, if your chances are in the MPSL, you're probably renting out a stadium from another place or for another yep. facility. I'm not really guessing you have your own stadium as a club. Um Yeah. And then, you know, especially in the time right now, like I can't imagine how hard of a time it is right now financially for clubs to get, you know, unless you have a huge kind of like financial, like kind of backbone and boost to you um, from your ownership. Um, it will be a really hard time right now, uh, to kind of get started at these lower levels just because of, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next year, if fans Mm -hmm. are going to be allowed. And again, without that, you know, kind of ticket revenue, it's going to be really, really hard to make any sort of positive, um, financial means, um, but yeah, no, that's. It uh, sounds like pocket change to me, and Cameron. I think you know I'm gonna head to the bank after we record this <laughs> start and start an NPSL I'm, team. I'm gonna take out a loan and I'm gonna bring <laughs> an NPSL team right here to Portland, Maine. I'm just gonna All start right. it
1: right up. Um, well, if there's any local sponsors that want to help Carl out with that, uh, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to hear. He just needs about twenty-four thousand dollars and. Uh, recurring exactly. commitments of about 6000 a year So right. if you've got that lying around in your coffers uh, Reach out to Carl <laughs> at uh, 1-800-GIVE-CARL-ALL-YOUR-MONEY Give me all your money I promise it's, it's
0: going to go to great, great Positive sort of investment um, right. like, I'm going to bring excitement to the city
1: And that's what I'm looking for Excitement yeah. That's what we all need <laughs> Um, and I kind of wonder. I mean, I know there's the at that fourth division. You do have the uh, the up. I, I, th- I guess it's the four. It's the fourth, right? I mean, yeah. what else One, is in the P S Three. Yeah, counted out car. I think it's the three, fourth. Yeah, no, fourth? I think yeah. it's uh, seven, seven, seven,
0: seven, seven.
1: yeah, fourth. It's got to be. So the fourth. you've also you've also got UPSL, and I know they're doing a really good job at. Um, their regionality there. I mean, they've got a strong presence in California. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd be interested to find out what UPSL costs are. That would be a good indicator of kind of what's a better option. And also to kind of watch moving forward, who is building a a better and stronger league, but yeah. um, So keep, keep watch out for that. What happens with NPSL and um, UPSL and seeing if any of them decide to kind of partner with um, NISA and or if what NISA is doing and building those partnerships directly with these amateur leagues, if it's going to uh, kind of encroach on uh, the business models of UPSL and NPSL. No,
0: definitely. Um, I definitely think that would, you know, be exciting to watch. And it's going to be exciting to watch. Um, I'll be watching my bank account as well to see if there's any wire transfer transfers going <laughs> into. Um, if you guys want to message me, uh, I will give out my social security number. I just need yours in return. Um along mm-hmm. with bank account, routing numbers. Um, but in all serious Cameron, I'm really excited. Um, you know, this a lot of movement going on, you know, as we seem to talk about every week. But it seems like every week like there's something happening and you know, it's just Yeah, yeah. There's it, at least something. There is at least something. And I think, you know, you 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 really made a tremendous point earlier when you said like, you know, we're we were really worried. Earlier That, you know, these sort of things weren't going to happen and we would see more kind of negative come out of this whole, you know, pandemic that's going on um, at kind of affect these teams, you know, financially and kind of see a lot of teams go under. Um, I mean, but it seems like it's the complete opposite. Uh, You just have Louisville City FC just kind of rebrand themselves. Yeah, re- what do you think about that, man? I was kind of confused. I didn't I, really think I, it was that necessary. I, I didn't think so either. I felt like they had a perfect brand as it was. Um i was i don't i don't hate it i don't love it i'm probably in you know the middle like i am kind of like it's like the cranberry sauce of thanksgiving dinner right Uh, it's like you don't love it you don't hate it but you kind of just like put it on your plate and you're like yeah it's there i guess i'll eat it and i'll enjoy it and i'll take it for what it is but like it's nothing really like you're excited about um it's It's interesting. We'll see if that, you know, starts to get the ball rolling with other teams, maybe rebranding. Who knows? Um, I have to look, too. I don't even know when they tentatively are supposed to start the next season. Um, But it's uh, I don't know. Like there's there's all that movement going on, a lot of exciting movement. Um, We talked about last time the new partnerships. It'll be really interesting to see if any more partnerships with USL championship clubs and, you know, European clubs comes to pass. Um, besides that, you know, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the Copa Libertadores and the sort of, you know, Premier League stuff that's going on in the Champions League. I guess we can touch on that real quick. Cameron, um, how, how are you feeling about Liverpool? You know, I know the, all the injuries, uh,
1: you know, it's probably one of the best, episodes to talk about this because liverpool and tottenham are both sitting pretty sitting right on pretty
0: tottenham Ta- 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 e- table tottenham ended the other day atop the premier league table by themselves for the first time since 2014 cameron i i threw a party i got so drunk that night i was so <laughs> happy um it, it it was an excitement that I wasn't used to. Um, but Tottenham's got a tough, tough schedule coming up. Oh, my goodness. They got Chelsea this weekend. Then they got, uh, I think after that, they got Liverpool. No, they got Liverpool, and then they got Arsenal. Um, and I'm not too scared about the North London Derby. No Arsenal aren't that great this season, which is yeah, not a surprise. Not. Um, but, no, it's... Uh, yeah it's it's interesting i'm I'm still I'll be
1: looking forward to that uh the the touchline takes derby the we'll, touchline we'll takes
0: to, derby we'll, both we'll be. have to
1: reconvene after that and kind of give some of our thoughts about that game
0: definitely we might have to do it you know a special emergency episode just for that game just so you know i can rub it in your face that tottenham beat liverpool um but no, yeah, I,
1: maybe, we'll, maybe we'll even do a little. Uh, maybe we could post something on Twitter, do a little live stream. Or maybe something uh, on
0: Instagram once we get that up and rolling. Uh, <laughs> that, we, that we talk it'll about. It'll get there. It will one get day. there. We, we promise, guys, that Instagram mm-hmm. is coming. Um, we just. It's it's
1: there. It's too much. We're not sure if you're ready to ready no, for it. No, like you know?
0: it's it's a lot. Look, you and throw
1: you throw Carl here in a nice tight Tottenham kit, and uh, he's gonna break the internet.
0: I'm gonna break, and that's what I'm worried about. Like we, and speaking of that, we almost broke the internet the other day, Cameron. Um, gotta oh, give yeah. a shout out to shout
1: our- out to.
0: Ecuador. Oh, I
1: thought we were going to say it at the same time. Oh,
0: sorry. Uh, one, two, three. Ecuador! Ecuador! Even, yeah, we still messed um, it up. Okay. So we, um, on Twitter the other day, during the uh, World Cup qualifiers in South America, mm-hmm. Ecuador just absolutely beat the living crap out of Colombia. Colombia um, no longer exists because Col- of Ecuador. Colombia is nothing anymore. Pablo Escobar was actually Ecuadorian, um, so it's... You know, I've talked about it a lot, and I've talked about it in private with you, Cameron, too. Like, look out for Ecuador. And I've said yeah, it, for real. and I've said it, and I've said it, and I've said it just because, like, watching their club teams, and, you know, this is a little shout-out to the Copa Libertadores that are starting again. I know Quito mm-hmm. and Santos are playing. They're tied right now as we speak, 1-1. 1-1. And so, like, you see it at the club level, and – the crazy part is, Cameron, that are not a lot of players on the Ecuadorian national team play in the Premier League, and it's only a matter of time before they, you know, they move and kind of Premier League or not Premier League, sorry, in Europe. I, I shouldn't, yeah, but a lot of teams are, in Europe are going to see a lot of this talent on this Ecuadorian side, man, and they they have built something like really, really special going on there in Ecuador. Um, and I think we'll see them at the next the next World Cup in Qatar. Twenty twenty two, they'll be at the next World Cup.
1: Well, and the thing is, I think with um, you know whether it's Ecuador or Peru, um, it seems like there's always this connotation that oh, you know, it's just the geography that's yeah. uh, that you know other teams are playing against, and it's not the quality of their squad. And I think you can you can you know definitely say now that that's not the case. I mean, Ecuador might have both on their side, but uh, their their squad's definitely proving to be. Um, formidable and in their club teams just the same are are showing that it's not just a one-sided thing here and I think that's also more positive for the continuing success of their national team as well as long as their their club scene um, continues to grow and, and prove to be formidable
0: and and I think that's the biggest thing because their their club teams have really invested in the youth and you know the talent that is there in Ecuador and I think a lot of other clubs like from different countries never would do that. And I think they sort of saw Ecuador and kind of pushed them off to the side. Obviously, in South America, like everybody looks to Colombia they look to Brazil or Argentina or Uruguay, like they look to all these other countries be, you know, rather than Ecuador, like you mentioned, even Peru. Um, And I think the the Ecuadorian club teams kind of took it as like, you know what, like we're going to build a youth development, you know, with Quito Um, And with the other club teams there, you know, I'm drawing a blank on the one, but one of them won the Copa Sudamericana last year. You know, it's just like it it starts again, like we've been talking about at a grassroots level and they're building that youth development in Ecuador. And it's really finally starting to pay out at that national team level.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I really hope uh, Delphine and Quito can hold it together and uh, keep making progress within that uh competition it's it's definitely not an easy one um, No, not at all but they've they've shown that they're not shying away from the competition and, and, I, and i mean we have a historically strong uh contingent from brazil so if they can overpower them then and you know the argentinian contingent as well then uh then i think they've arrived on the world stage you can firmly say that but i think that's it's about all we really wanted to say uh for today's episode um i mean we, we could talk a little bit about the champions league europa league but i don't think there's too much to say i mean zlatan being zlatan continuing right. to show that age is truly just a number just a um, number his, with him just a freaking number man it, it's he's just <laughs> he's not a real person
0: it, it's unbelievable man and i mean say all you want about Sidia and like they in italy being a farmer's league i know a lot of people like to joke about that but like scoring the goals he is at what is he 30 39 years 39 old? Yeah. 39 years old he's not he's not human like the there was one goal he uh he scored over the weekend that was a header and just like still the power he got behind that header was just like
1: unbelievable like and, and just like he is not <laughs> shying away from i think i saw something like uh juventus is gonna try to ban headers after this <laughs>
0: Then, you know, they'll get no goals from Ronaldo because that's all Ronaldo does anyways. Um, But in all seriousness, no, like there's there's a lot of exciting things going on across, you know, Europe. And we've mentioned it before and you're seeing it, I think, in every part of the globe in club soccer. Like you don't know who's going to win right now like it's just such a weird season we're in it's such a weird time with everything that you know kind of transpired with the end of last season with everything that's still going on with this season you know I, i'll i save it for a different podcast but i'm still mm. like really upset about all these meaningless international breaks like yes if it's a world cup qualifier i can understand but like you get all these players testing positive and you know you know passing along COVID-19 like playing for their national team in a friendly like that's that's a whole different topic but um it's it's a really strange season across the board all over the world for the sport and it's an exciting one I
1: think the only negative takeaway right now is the significant amount of injuries yeah Um, I almost meant to mention that when I was talking about Liverpool but uh, I mean, it's looking like we might get Thiago back, but the, the injuries continue to to pile up. I mean, we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold off, um, Matip. Mm, he's kind of he's all right, but you never really know with him. Right. Um, you know, Henderson's been out. Joe it's, Gomez. Joe Gomez, and i And it's it's not just Liverpool. It's plenty of teams. I I saw a number the other day, and it was just unfathomable how many uh, Premier League teams have players out right now. Um, so I, I hope that this that they can ca- kind of come to a conclusion that'll help this. I mean, I know they were talking about the whole five sub rule, um, bringing that back into play. But mm-hmm. it's a it's a difficult time right now for this sport. But I could not be more happy that we are able to continue to watch it, even in the face of everything that's happening right now. Um, you know, I know a lot of people out there are kind of disappointed that uh, countries are letting this continue to happen, but. You know, it's truly providing me a lot of happiness. I know it's providing a lot of other people a sense of normalcy and happiness as well.
0: Right. No, definitely. It's, uh, you know, kind of taking us away from everything else that's going on in the world right now, which, you know, kind of being that escape. And, but at the same time, I kind of want to mention, too, like, you know, if you're listening to this and like, even though this sport is an escape and these things do seem fun, you know, still be safe pay attention to what's going on, Um, you know, do the things that scientists and our experts are asking you to do right now, um, just because it's important, you know, the quicker everybody does this, the quicker we get through this, Um, and the quicker, you know, you as a fan, and we as fans can return, you know, in person to these games as well, Um, which I know a lot of people are itching for, like, it's, uh, I can't imagine my other Tottenham fans, you know, if Tottenham does win the league this year, and they can't be at that final game in may or whatever like how disappointed that would be but you know if we do the right things and hopefully soon you know we get a vaccine for all of this and you know like we can kind of return to that normalcy um, whatever, whatever that was i don't even know if i remember what normal was what at was this normal. point normal i, I have no no idea
1: but um you know
0: on that note it's uh i hope every normal
1: to wrap an episode up
0: yeah exactly like we we don't like wrapping it up on kind of a sad note um so with that you know i hope everyone had a fantastic thanksgiving you know that's definitely a time to remember what normal was on thanksgiving and these holidays for our non-american listeners i just hope you had the most wonderful day in the world um even though you don't celebrate thanksgiving um we are very thankful for you guys as listeners we are very thankful for the sport of soccer cameron anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up
1: nope i i got nothing i just want to thank our listeners i want to thank the ecuadorians out there that uh, appreciated our twitter post we appreciate you and um carl you have yourself a great thanksgiving you too cameron i'll see you later see you